Hello, everybody. I'm Sam. And I'm Maya. <laughs> and you're listening to Murder Senses. I almost forgot to say my name. <laughs> I know we stared at each other. Uh, so we we announced we we finally set up our Patreon. Yeah, we made a Patreon. Um, so if you want to subscribe to us, uh, really appreciate it if you do. But now you can uh, do that. It's Patreon.com/slash/MurderSensesPodcast. And if you want to send us an email too, uh, with case suggestions, uh, that'll be the best place for us to keep them all organized. It's MurderSenses at gmail.com. Yeah. Um, and uh, our tier, our tiers. <laughs> yeah. So we, we had fun coming up with those names. <laughs> so yeah. So we have the basic tier. Uh, well, no, we have our first tier, which is just two dollars a month. Um, it's just a, it's just buy us a coffee, just a donation. Uh, to show your support. Then we have our basic spoonful of ice cream, and it includes <laughs> every episode that we post two days early, and then we'll also be po- posting bloopers, um, weekly. To there. Our next uh, tier would be one scoop of ice cream, which is an, inter- <laughs> an, <laughs> an intermediate. Tier. I don't think I said the price of the first one. That one was $3 a month. Uh, no, you didn't, but this one's $6 a month. And it includes two-day early access, bloopers, and an exclusive episode every week. So you'll get an extra episode episode that wouldn't just normally be on our Spotify. Or We're working hard for you guys. We are. And our last tier... Give us money. <laughs> and our last tier is $12. It's an advanced tier. And what is included is early access, an, inclu- an exclusive episode, and bloopers, and you will receive goodies ev- at the end of every month. Yeah, we're going to be putting together gifts. Uh, no clue at all what's going to be in it yet. No, we have not decided yet, and this is new, so... Definitely, like, candy and stickers. Yeah. Like, some cute little things, though. It'll be worth it. It'll be worth it for sure. Um, we'll, make, we'll make it worth the price. Yeah, anyways, I'm gonna shout up about that. Uh, so that's our Patreon. Yeah, you definitely don't have to. We just support you. We we, we appreciating... Oh my god. <laughs> Today was a long day. I worked all day. We appreciate you just listening. <laughs> and just being here. Thank but if you, you so choose to, it's up to you. Yes, and we love you. We heart you. Thank you. I made a little heart with my hands. <laughs> and... Uh, Before we jump into today's case, I just wanted to mention that a woman from Pittsburgh has been missing since December. Her name is Sherry Kiefer. Um, She's 60 years old. And um, she was just found. As of March 9th, she was found deceased. She was found on Sunday uh, on the riverbank in the 4400 block of Ohio River Boulevard in Bellevue, Allegheny County. Sorry if I said that wrong. I'm not going to look up how to say it. Um, a cause and manner of death have not been yet have not yet been released, and further updates will be provided from the medical examiner's office, according to reports. And that's a quote from PenLive.com, a news article. There, it's so sad. I'm so glad she was found, but I know that the family and a lot of friends. I know that they're probably not like relieved per se, but no. I'm sure that they're glad that she's home. Yeah. And she was found. And I just wanted to say that, like, my condolences. And I really hope the bastard who did this gets caught. I hope they have a suspect. They haven't come out with anything. Once they do, I definitely 
uh, elaborate on it. I'm going to keep an eye on this. And yeah, so I'll just leave it to Maya to jump in today's case. Okay, well, today we're going to be talking about the infamous Charles Manson. (laughs) This has been a case that's been long coming because... This is probably not one of the first cases I've ever researched, but it's been, it's pretty close to one of the first cases I've ever researched. I think it, I think it almost was. The yeah. first one I ever researched was Eileen Warnos. Yeah. And then you did After this After this one. was Charles Manson. Yes. Yeah, so but we're, we're just getting to this now. We're finally doing it after like, I don't even know, four episodes. We, we haven't been pushing it off, but we've been doing a lot more different cases. It's just been in the background. It's been ready to go. It's yeah. all done. Well, so I guess let's just get right into it because this one's going to be something. I'm excited. I I would definitely be. I've said this to Maya many times. <laughs> <laughs> she knows what I'm going to say. I would hop right on that damn bus. He <laughs> was a drug fanatic. And that's why. <laughs> okay, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> they. I mean, what are they going to do? They not know. I mean, reason like, why? he's kind of pretty. And like he, without without he, the tattoos, he the was before he got before the pentagram. Oh my god, yes. Uh, yeah. So, um, okay, I'm gonna shut up before this becomes ten minutes of me talking bullshit. Yeah. So Charles Miles Maddox Manson, which was his mother's maiden name. Okay. He was born. I didn't know that he went by another. Like, had another last name. Yeah, he did. Um, <laughs> He didn't really go by it, but that was his mother's last name. Okay. And he might have gone by it when he was, like, four or five. Okay. But he didn't do it for very long. So he was born November 12th, 1934, in Cincinnati, Ohio. And I don't like the fact that he's born so close to my birthday. Yeah. Uh, so he was born to 15-year-old Catherine Manson Bauer Cavender. Oh, wait, her last name wasn't Maddox. Who is Maddox? Who is a Maddox? Huh. Someone's Maddox. Yeah. Okay. Well. So she was born 1919 and she died in 1973, but uh, he was born at the University of Cincinnati Academic Health Center. Okay. So he was born in a university health center. Interesting. Interesting. I, I've i never heard of <clears throat> a person being born in a school. <laughs> no, me neither. No, no. So Charles Manson's biological father appeared to be Colonel Walker Henderson Scott Sr. So he okay. was- like junior, senior. He had another family member. I think it was maybe his father. <laughs> I don't know. Who how would that make him a senior? What do you mean? Like Scott Senior. That means like, he probably had a brother named Scott. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Scott Junior. Uh so he was born nineteen ten and passed away nineteen fifty four and he was from Cattlesburg, Kentucky. Uh Colonel worked for a while in the local mills and had a reputation for being a con artist. He had allowed Kathleen to believe that he was an army colonel, although, quote, colonel was only his given name. Oh, so, okay. So, his name was, like, Walker Anderson Scott. His his first name was, okay, so his first name was Colonel. Yeah. But. That's a weird first name. He. he Just told her he was. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. When Kathleen told Colonel she was pregnant, Colonel told her he had been called away on army business, and several <laughs> months after he departed... That's not funny, I'm sorry. She realized he had no intentions of returning, which means Charles never knew his father. That sucks. Yeah, he... he, he his father was never really in the first story. And so, in August of 1934, before Charles Manson's birth, his mother Kathleen married William Eugene Manson, a laborer 
at a dry cleaning business. I don't know why I put laborer in quotations, but I did. <laughs> He's a laborer. <laughs> <laughs> Kathleen often went on drinking sprees with her brother, Luther, Charles's uncle, and would leave Charles with multiple babysitters. William and Kathleen divorced on April 30th, 1937, after William allegedly, quote, gross neglect of duties by Kathleen. Um, I don't know what that means. I'm assuming it means he wasn't a father, <laughs> you know? Okay. I, I, that's what she said. Gross neglect of duties. Maybe, like, he didn't, uh, I don't know. Clean? No, men don't clean <laughs> in no. the 30s. No. So, Charles kept the last name Manson from her mother's boyfriend. Okay. And on August 1st, 1939, Kathleen and Keith, her, which was her brother, was mm-hmm. arrested for assault and robbery. They were both sentenced to five to ten years in jail. Char- so Charles was placed in a home with his aunt and uncle in Memachin, West Virginia. <laughs> that took me a second. I had to look at that. His mother was paroled in 1942. Charles said that the first five weeks of his mother's return were the happiest time of his life. Weeks after Kathleen was released, the family moved to Charleston, West Virginia, which is which is the capital of West Virginia. Okay. But. <laughs> I didn't know that. I don't know anything about the state. So no, me neither. The more you know. Kathleen was kind of wild. Okay. She was arrested again, but not con- not convicted for grand larceny. So it runs in the family, the wildness. <laughs> yeah, the mentally illness. Yeah. Okay. If that's how you would say that. Uh, I guess. I think which. That's how I would say it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that's grammarly correct. I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> so, uh, grand larceny, if you don't know what that means, it means the theft of someone else's property, which it's, it's just stealing. Just like, yeah, she probably like, stole someone's car or something. The no, they would, she would have been charged for grand theft auto. Yeah, grand larceny might have been like property on their, uh, at their house. A like, lawnmower. Yeah, something like it's that. It's the 30s. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a shovel. <laughs> the family then moved again to Indianapolis, where Kathleen met a man who was an alcoholic with the name Lewis. They met at Alcoholics Anonymous during a meeting and then married in 1943. So she okay. kind of, like, stopped talking to that boyfriend, but Charles kept the name Manson. Yeah. So, in an interview with Diane Sauer, who was an American television broadcaster... Is that Sawyer? hmm Oh, Sawyer, <laughs> who is an American television broadcast journalist who anchored uh, two programs called ABC News... Uh, ABC World News Tonight and Good Morning America. Oh, she... Oh, her. Yeah, including multiple other programs while working for the ABC television. Uh, she interviewed him, and he had said that when he was nine, he set fire to his school. Oh. Charles also got in trouble for truancy and petty theft. Okay. In 1947, at the age of 14, Charles was placed in the Gibalt School for Boys in Terry Haute, Indiana, which was a school made for male delinquents run by a Catholic priest. Is that Haute or Haute? Haute? Uh, oh my god, alright. I... We're saying hot because that's how you say a place here. Let's spell the same. Um, I feel like if it was hot, it would have that dash above the e. Maybe you're right. That's also how you would say. But that could also just be like. French. Yeah, which is Canadian. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, we're Canadian, so we uh, we pronounce we, things weird. We can't we can't say places that aren't from Canada. Sorry. Yeah, don't don't hold, don't hold us against. <laughs> Um, so Gibalt was a strict school with cruel punishments and would punish the boys for even the smallest offenses, Aww. which included beatings with either a wooden paddle or a leather belt. <clears throat> Charles had run away from the school and slept under bridges in the woods and basically anywhere he could find to make shelter. So he, he, he ran away at this point. Yeah, I can't really blame him. 
Charles fled to his mother's home, which included his aunt and uncle living there, and spent Christmas 1947 with the family. Afterwards, his mother sent him back to Gibalt, where Charles then again ran away to Indianapolis. Okay. So, in 1948, a year later, Charles committed his first known crime by robbing a grocery store. Aside from, like, setting his school on fire. (laughs) Well, yeah, he was a juvenile, so I don't know if they considered it as a crime, but yeah. So, he robbed a grocery store, and at first, the robbery was just to find something to eat, but he found a cigar box that contained over $100 and rented himself a room on the Indianapolis Skid Row and got himself food, which Skid Row is, uh, it's a place, there's a lot of places that in in the United States that are called Skid Row, but it's uh, a population of homeless people. Okay. That they stay there. It's like a community. All right. So for the time being, Charles got himself a job delivering messages for a Western Union, which is just a delivery company, to try to live a crime-free life. Regardless of the job, he started to support himself through petty theft again. He was eventually caught, and a sympathetic judge sent him to Boys Town, which is a juvenile facility in Omaha, Nebraska. So after only four days at Boys Town, he and a fellow student named Blackie Nelson obtained a gun and stole a car. Okay, alright. He was not trying to be crime-free. No, no, I can tell. They could use it to commit two armed robberies on their way to Nelson's uncle's home in Perio, Peoria, sorry, P- Peoria, Illinois. United States places are so hard to say. As if our towns aren't. I know. We... <laughs> So, in Nova Scotia or Newfoundland, we have a place called Dildo. Yep. Oh, yeah. Literally straight up just Dildo. Yeah. Which, I I don't know why. Don't ask me. I'm not from Newfoundland, but I don't know. So, Nelson's uncle was a professional thief, and this isn't good for A professional thief? I'm sorry, what? (laughs) He was a professional thief. Uh, um, (laughs) um. And when they arrived, he took them on as his apprentices. So, he, he- What? I think, like, a professional thief would be, like, someone who gets away with a lot of theft. Someone who gets away with a lot of theft. Someone who's done it for a long time. Um, okay. So, Charles was arrested two weeks later during a nighttime raid in Peora at the store. Uh, Investigators working the case had found that he was linked to two previous armed robberies, and he was sent to Indiana's Boys School, which was a strict reform school. So, at the school, Charles was allegedly raped by other boys with the encouragement of the staff and was repeatedly beaten. He ran away from the school eight times which he, uh, he should not have been sent to that school. No. He... Or he should have, like, just... Uh, no, I don't know. No, he... No. That school is not right. Uh, so, while at the school, Charles developed a self-defense strategy he later called the, quote, insane game. <laughs> Sounds really weird. So, when he couldn't defend himself... Game. So, he, when he couldn't defend himself, he would screech, grimace, and raise his arms to convince people that he was insane. Uh, after fi- several failed attempts of fleeing the school, he escaped the school with two other boys in February of 1951. Three boys who had escaped, including Charles, were robbing filing stations when attempting to drive to California in stolen cars, but the boys were eventually arrested in Utah for the crime of driving stolen cars. Charles was sent to Washington, D.C.'s National Training School for Boys. When he arrived, he was given tests that determined him illiterate, but he had an IQ of 109. Uh, that's smart, right? I think so. I I feel like it's pretty (laughs) smart. Do you want to look up an average IQ? (laughs) Between 85 and 115. Okay. So he had an average IQ, yeah. but he was deemed illiterate. He was almost above average. Pretty much, yeah. So his, But his caseworker deemed him aggressively antisocial. Mm, okay. So a psychiatrist recommended that Charles would be transferred on October 1951 to 
in October 1951 to Natural Bridge Honor Camp, a minimum security institution, which, first of all, minimum security. After attempting breakouts. He's like eight escaped. times. Escaped. More than eight times. That was just eight like, times at that one place. Yeah. Yeah. So his aunt had visited him and told the administrator she would let him stay at her house and would help him find work. Charles had a parole hearing scheduled for February 1952. However, he was found and caught raping a boy at knife point. Oh. He was then transferred to the Federal Reformatory in Petersburg, Virginia. That's when he committed, unsurprisingly, quote, eight serious disciplinary offenses, three involving homosexual acts. He was then moved again to a maximum security reformatory, I think it was a school, again, uh, in Chillicothe, Ohio. I hope that's how you say that. He was expected to stay there until his release release on his 21st birthday in November 1955. Good behavior led to an early release in 1954 in May, and then he went to go live with his aunt and uncle in Mechemin. McMechin, I believe. (laughs) It was McMechin. I think that's a better attempt than the first one. (laughs) (laughs) I think so. So, in January 1955, Charles married a hospital waitress named Rosalie Jean Willis. Around October, about three months after he and his pregnant wife arrived in Los Angeles in a car he had stolen in Ohio, <laughs> Why Manson- Why stealing so many cars? Just keep one. This reminds me of um, Bonnie and Clyde. That uh, should be posted soon. That should, yeah. Should no, be. that should be, this should be out. By the time but, this case comes yeah, out. Bonnie, yeah, Bonnie, you, you guys should know what we're talking about with Bonnie and Clyde, if you've seen that. This, that, sh- that episode should be up by now. Let's hope. It, but it should be. Uh, Charles was charged again with a federal crime for taking the vehicle across state lines, which, obviously, you know, law. He had gotten a psychiatric... Yeah, law. You're right. Yeah, just law. He had gotten a psychiatric evaluation, which made him receive five years of probation. Charles failed to appear in the hearing in Los Angeles, resulting in him getting arrested in Indianapolis. His probation was revoked, and he was sentenced to three years in prison at Terminal Island in Los Angeles, which was a federal correctional institution. I think showing up to your court court hearings is kind of important. It is. (laughs) It really is. I think you should do that. No, you should. If, um, if any if any of you have a court date, go do it. Show just, up to it. Just show up. Like you will it'll it'll be better. <laughs> so while Charles was in prison, Rosalie gave birth to their son, Charles Manson Jr. Oh. Okay. Which I thought I knew some information, but I was surprised when I heard this. I never I didn't know he had a son that was named after him. No, me neither. Which no I didn't know he had a kid at all. No, me neither, but <laughs> be named Charles Manson Jr. Imagine your father, you grow up and your father did all this stuff and you have his name. And I, yeah. Um, oh, that would suck. So during his first year at Terminal Island, he would regularly receive visits from Rosalie and his mother, who were now living in Los Angeles. And in March of 1957, when visits from his wife stopped, his mother informed him that Rosalie was living with another <laughs> man. I'm sorry, it's not funny, but... She left him. Yeah. He deserves it. Less than two weeks before his parole hearing, Charles attempted to escape by steering a car. Stealing a car. Steering a car. So, tra- <laughs> he steered it away. <laughs> he was given five years probation and his parole was denied. Okay. So, later on, Charles had received uh, had received five years parole in September 1958, which was the same year his wife received a decree of divorce, which means that the court served Manson and Rosalie with papers so that the two were free to marry other people, and the divorce was finalized. So, she didn't want to be with him. (laughs) I don't really blame her. 
No, maybe she realized how crazy he was. Yeah, and I mean, like, would you want to be with someone who keeps going to jail and stealing cars? No, that's not a stable life. And breaking people and... No. Yeah, I'm okay. Uh, me too. Uh, <laughs> so, by November 1958, he was pimping a 16-year-old girl. No! Yeah. And receiving additional support from another girl with wealthy parents. In September 1959, he pleaded guilty to trying to force a U.S. Treasury check, which is the financial department of the the USA. He claimed to have stolen the check from a mailbox, and the later charge was... The latter charge was later dropped. (laughs) Mixing the the latter charge? It means, like, that charge. Oh, okay. So he received a 10-year suspended sentence and probation after a young woman named Leona, who had an arrest record for prostitution, made a, quote, tearful plea before the court that she and Manson were, quote, deeply in love and would marry Charles. She was in love with him. A lot of women were. I know. (laughs) Before the year's end, she married Charles, so she possibly could not be required to testify against him because she was married to him, which I don't know if that makes any sense because uh, I'm pretty sure... Spouses are allowed to testify against each other. I think. I I actually have no clue. I don't know. I was going to say, like, maybe they don't have to, but they can if they want to. But I feel like these days, if the case calls for it, you have to, right? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm so, not a law student. I'm a high school dropout. <laughs> me too. So, I don't, I don't know. So, Charles took Leona and another woman to New Mexico for prostitution, resulting in him being held in questioning for violating the Man Act, which is a law to stop women in prostitution or any woman in general to be illegally trafficked. Uh, when he disappeared uh, in violation of his patrol, a bench warrant was issued and an indictment for the violation of the Man Act was issued in 1960. <laughs> I wrote 960. Yeah. I, I think I know what I mean. 960 BC. <laughs> <laughs> that had a long time. I don't think we'll be able to cover a case that old. Uh, maybe. I don't know if there's any records. I don't know. Maybe we can, like, go into some, like, mythology. <laughs> oh, my God. So, following the arrest of one of his women for prostitution, Charles was soon arrested in June in Laredo, Texas, and was returned to Los Angeles for violating his probation. On the check-cashing charge, he was ordered to serve his 10-year sentence. Charles spent a year trying to get his probation appealed, and in July 1961, he was transferred from the Los Angeles County Jail to the United States Penitentiary at McNeil Island in Washington. So, when at the penitentiary, he took guitar lessons from Baker Carpe's gang leader, Alvin Creepy Carpees. The Baker, the Barker Capri's gang was one of the longest-lived criminal gangs during the era of the Great Depression, spanning from 1931 to 1935. Okay. Charles got the name from another inmate that was a contact name for someone from Universal Studios in Hollywood, and his name was Phil Kaufman. Charles's mother moved closer to him in Washington State while he was in jail, and she worked as a waitress. And although the Man Act had been dropped, his attempt to cash a forged check was still a federal offense. In a review in September 1961, Charles was a person who had, quote, tremendous drive to call attention to himself, which was an observation that was again repeated in 1964. In 1963, Leona was granted a divorce. During the process, she alleged that she and Charles had a child, Charles Luther. Again. The where is it? Named by him. And Is know, that alleged? Like, if, if that's alleged, I, where's the kid? I don't know. I uh, Maybe it's true, but... Mm-hmm. Where's the kid? 
I don't know. <laughs> Either way. Produce the child. Either way, she had a divorce. She got a divorce from him. Okay. So it was an urban legend that Charles had auditioned for the Monkees, which was a popular American rock and pop band. But this is said to be an urban legend because Charles was still incarcerated in 1956, which is when he was set to audition. Uh, did that, like, did the Monkees ever say that he auditioned? Uh, I think they didn't say a word. And if they did, I don't think they said anything. Then they probably... See, he was still in jail, yeah, so, like, Yeah, he probably I didn't, and I... Don't think he did. I can't assume them wanting him anyways. No. In June of 1966, Charles was sent again to Terminal Island in preparation for early release, which... Why is he getting early release? Good behavior, probably. Nobody should get out on good behavior. I don't think it's... I don't think it should be a Do thing. Do people not know what manipulation is? Yeah, a lot. Okay, so I've heard of so many cases where, like, there, there'll be a rapist or like a per, no, sorry, I hear what you're talking, uh, or like a pre, like a predator or a repeat sexual offender, and they'll get on good behavior. Yeah, no shit, because you're in, in jail with only men. Yeah, I know. Like, you have no one to assault if your you know if your victim profile is the opposite sex, and it just no. It, I just think it's stupid. I do too. So. By the time his by the time of his release on March twenty first, nineteen sixty seven, he had spent more spent more than half of his thirty two years of life in prison and institutions, which was mainly because he had broken federal laws. Yeah, Charles had requested to stay in prison because it had become his home. Oh, that's kind of sad. It is, but and so not even a month after his release in nineteen sixty seven, Charles moved to Berkeley from Los Angeles, which was a violation of his probation. Already. Instead of calling the San Francisco probation officer upon his arrival, he was transferred to the supervision of the criminology doctorate researcher and federal probation officer Roger Smith. Until the spring of 1968, Roger had worked at the Hout Ashbury, Burry, Ashbury, yes, free medical clinic, uh, H-A-F-M-C, which Charles and his family often went when they stayed in Hout. Height? Height? Hout. Height. It's H-A-I-G-H. T. So height? I think so. Uh, so Roger Smith was, as, as well, was the founder of HAFMC, which was the, the Height that. Ashbury Free Medical Clinic. David E. Smith received funding from the National Institute, Institute of Health and reportedly... Institute. <laughs> Institute of Health and reportedly the CIA to study effects of drugs like LSD and methamphetamine on the counterculture movement in Height Ashbury. And for those of you who don't know, the counterculture movement was an anti-establishment that developed through the Western world, which is like North America, mm-hmm. um, in the 1960s and had been ongoing to the present day, which uh, what emerged as the era started a new cultural form and dynamic subculture that celebrated experimentations modern incarnations of bohemianism and the rise of the hippies and other alternative lifestyles. So, mm. hippie era. Yeah. 1960s, we're really getting into the hippie the era. 60s, baby! Right? <laughs> Reminds me of, uh, what's his name? Austin Powers. <laughs> so, the patients at the clinic included Charles and his ever-expanding group of, quote, mostly women, which he, it was. There was only, like, maybe, like, four men in his whole group, and there was, like, a lot of women, who often visited Roger Smith. Charles received permission from Roger Smith to move from Berkeley to Height Ashbury District in San Francisco. He first took LSD and would use it a lot while staying there. Roger would experience with LSD and am- amphetamines on rodents, which I hate the fact that some people I... experiment with animals. 
It's so sad. They don't deserve it's, that it's because really they don't sad, and I'm they in, don't know what's happening. I'm in like a very here and there area because like a between area because if the scientists didn't experiment, we wouldn't no, we have wouldn't. modern medicine. No, but it's but so sad. It's so sad, and I just can't. I don't like to think about it, and I don't like to like even put put it in my brain at all because mm. like. I just know it was all done, well, not all of it, because a lot of uh, experiments just happened because of cruelty, and they wanted to see what would happen. I know, those ones, but, those experiments are just sick. And but, yeah, but I, I do, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, understand I, don't, I don't know, medical science, but I but. just want to say, like, I love my rats. <laughs> I have two rats. They're cute. I love them, and it's sad. <laughs> yeah, it really is. So, Roger found that the change in Charles's personality was the most abrupt during that time that Roger Smith had ever observed in his entire professional career okay. due to LSD and amphetamines yeah. and drugs. Well, I mean, drugs, that, that would do it to you. That would change you. So, Charles had already gained his first follower at the UC Berkeley campus, a librarian named Mary Brunner. Charles had talked her into letting him sleep a few nights at her house, an arrangement that quickly became permanent. Okay. Charles soon began to attract large crowds of listeners and some dedicated followers. He would target people who were emotionally insecure and social outcasts. In his book, Love Needs Care, which is about his time at the medical center, David Smith claims that Charles attempted to reprogram their minds through the use of LSD and unconventional sexual practices that would turn his followers into, quote, empty vessels that would accept anything that he poured, Ooh. end quote. He was manipulating them. So a family member of Charles named Paul Watkins testified that Charles would encourage LSD group trips and take lower doses to, quote, keep his wits about him. That's one thing I did know, that he would get, like, all a whole bunch of people followers high as shit and then just like not really get high so he could control the fuck out of them oh yeah he was manipulative so Watkins said that charles's trip was to quote program us all to submit yeah by the end of his day in april 1968 charles had gained 20 or so followers all under the supervision of his parole officer roger smith what? and many other staff at the medical center the core members of Charles Manson's cult or followers included Charles Tex Watson, a former actor and musician, Bobby Beausoleil, which I feel like we've heard that name before. I feel like I have too. A musician and former actor. Well, maybe that's why. Susan Atkins, Patricia Krenwinkle, yeah. Patricia Krenwinkle, and Leslie Van Houten, which I've heard that name before. Me too. Supervised by his parole officer, Roger, Charles had grown his family through the through drug use and prostitution without interference from authorities. Charles was arrested on July 31st, 1967 for attempting to Is prevent- Is this like the longest he's ever gone without not getting arrested? Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> he was arrested on July 31st, 1967 for attempting to prevent the arrest of one of his followers named Ruth Ann Morehouse. Hmm. Instead of Charles being sent back to prison, the charges were reduced to a misdemeanor and he was given an additional three years of probation. He avoided prosecution again in July 1968 when his family were arrested while moving from San Francisco to Los Angeles with the permission of Roger Smith when his bus crashed into a ditch where Charles and members of his family, including Brunner and Charles's newborn baby, were found sleeping naked by police, which is so sad. Mm -hmm. He was then arrested again and then released a few days later on a drug. Only a drug charge. Now, Charles had a little bit of a crazy aspect. Mindset. Mindset. That's what you would call it. Opinions. <laughs> he 
and the Manson family developed into a doomsday cult when Charles became fixated on the idea of an imminent apocalyptic race war between America's black population and the larger white population. Charles Manson was a racist, to put it short. To put it yes, short. he was. Charles was a white supremacist and had told some of his family members that the black people of America would rise up and kill all the white people except for Manson and his That's family. That's so fucked up. It's disgusting. It he, he was, like, literally just... Ugh, he was in his own head. And he made people believe what he believed. He was so... He, he, was, a manip- he was a manipulator. He was... Oh, yeah. Powerful. And, I mean, he got them all under the influence before, but, you know, that's not even... No. ...an excuse for the people, I don't think. Mm-mm. It, it's not. Um, but his family was not intelligent enough to survive on their own, and they would need a white man to lead them, and they would serve Manson as their master. Master. Manster. <laughs> they would serve Manson as, as their, their master. master. Oh, yeah. Their master. According to a man named Vincent Bugsliosi, <laughs> Manson had- I love that last name. I don't know why it's so cute. Bugsliosi. <laughs> Bugs. I love it. Uh, Manson had adopted the term Halter Skelter, taking from a song on the Beatles' recently released White Album to refer to his upcoming war, which if- At the time recently released. Yeah, at the time was recently released, not like now. <laughs> the Beatles are really old. In early August of 1969, some of the members of the Manson family committed murders in Los Angeles. The family gained a lot of fame after the murder of the famous actress Sharon Tate and four others in her home mm-hmm. on August 8th and August 9th, 1969. Um, so- I can't believe- that Sharon wasn't even supposed to be murdered. No, she wasn't. She was staying with... It, it talks about this, but she was staying with her friend because her she friend was... With was she was staying with a woman and because uh, her husband was going away on a trip or something like that. Her husband was going away. So she stayed with her friend because her friend was too scared to be alone because I think she was pregnant. I always thought that um, Charles thought someone else lived there. Uh, he, I think he did. Yeah, and so he went into the. I th- this I heard like you know I was just under this impression that he went uh, there um, expecting to find. Uh, I know he didn't go, uh, but they went there expecting to uh, find someone else. Yeah, I think so. But he was the Tate family for was there. Mm-hmm. So on August eighth, Charles Manson ordered his followers, Charles Tex Watson, to go to a hundred and 50,000 CeeLo Drive with a few other cult members and kill everybody at the house, quote, as gruesomely as you can, which was quoted by Charles. Uh-huh. The Manson family was previously familiar with the house because of music producer Terry Melcher uh, had earlier considered, um, it, no, he had earlier considered giving Charles a recording, a re- recording contract, it but was, he decided against it. Was Charles musically inclined? Um, I don't remember. Maybe it was like a... I really don't know. He he could like, I know he liked music, but he might have tried to sing. Imagine if Charles Manson had his own fucking band. Uh uh-uh. uh. What do you think he would name it? Helter Skelter. Helter Skelter. <laughs> um, no, that's that's copyrighted. Actually, it, it is. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think Charles Manson's band name would be? The Doomsday um, Group. The Doomsday Group. Uh, the 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 fuck. Um, God, God, wow. Acid trip. The acid trips. There's nothing coming to my mind. Acid trippers. The candy van. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't lure people in with. I know. (laughs) When I think of vans, I think of candy. (laughs) Me too, though. (laughs) All right, anyways. So, 
Watson drove to the estate with Susan Atkins, Patricia Krenwinkel, and Linda Casabian. Casabian. Yeah. Cas- yeah, anyways. I'm not even... If anyone gets in trouble for saying it, it's mine, not me. Names are so <laughs> hard. So when they arrived on the property after midnight, they came across a car driven by Stephen Parent, who was an 18-year-old who had been visiting the estate's caretaker at the home in his guest house. So he was just visiting the caretaker. Yeah, he was just there. He wasn't supposed to be there. Watson shot Stephen dead before he, Atkins, and Crane Winkle broke into the main house, leaving Casabian to stay as a lookout at the gate. Okay. Uh, the four people in the home were celebrity hairstylist Jay Sebring and a close friend of Tate's and were made to gather in the living room. Jay Sebring and Tate's were linked by ropes tied around their neck. Sebring was then shot and stabbed to death. The two other people in the house had managed to free themselves and fled the house, but were sadly both chased down and killed by Krenwinkel and Watson. Mm. Lastly, Atkins or Watkins stabbed Tate, which resulted in her death. As they left, Atkins used Tate's blood to write the words pig on the front door. Yeah. Wojtek Fryowski was also killed at the home that evening. He came from a wealthy Polish family and was staying with the with Polanski and Tate. Abigail Folger, who was the heir to Folger Coffee's fortune. If you know Folger's yeah. Coffee, yeah. she was the old owner. Obviously, she passed away. Uh, she was romantically involved with Fryowski and possibly would have never been at that home that night if it weren't for them being romantically involved. She had stayed with Tate because her husband was away and Tate had asked her and Fryowski to stay with her, which stayed with Tate, until her husband returned home as Tate was eight and a half months pregnant at the time. Mm-hmm. So that's what it was. Um... That's she why asked the friends were Abigail there. Folger to stay with her. Mm-hmm. And she wouldn't have been murdered if she didn't. Next, his, I can't say second victim, but second ma- major crime and murder spree was Lino and Rosemary LaBianca. Mm-hmm. So the following night, Charles Manson took Watson, Atkins, Krenwinkle, and Casabian, as well as Leslie Van Hooten, and lastly, Stephen Clem Grogan. In the search for more people to murder. So, Manson selected the home of grocery store executive Lino LaBianca and his wife Rosemary. After Manson and Watson tied up the couple and robbed them, Manson left with Atkins, Casabian, and Grogan. Watson, Van Hooten, and Krenwinkel stayed and, acting on the orders of Charles, stabbed the couple to get to death, again leaving words written in blood on the walls. Gary Hinman, 34, was stabbed to death in his old Topanga Canyon Road home. What words did they write on those walls? Uh, It never said. They just... Okay. But this one here, it says, um, in July of 1969, the phrase, phrase, political piggy, was written in blood across the walls. I never knew that. Charles' follower, Bobby Beausoleil, was arrested while driving Hinman's Volkswagen bus and was later convicted of the crime. Volkswagen is such a weird word to say. Yeah. Volkswagen. It doesn't even... Volkswagen. Volkswagen? Volkswagen. Volkswagen. There it is. That's my opinion on that. <laughs> <laughs> David Shorty Shea. Shea? Shea? I think... I mean, it, it could be said both ways. I think so. Uh, he was 35. He was a horse wrangler at Spawn Movie Ranch near Chatsworth. He was killed in August 1969 after Tate and LaBianca murders. It is believed that Charles' followers killed him because they feared he was a police informant and his body was only found eight years later. What? I never knew this. They didn't really know oh my about him. God. Yeah. So, family members were also responsible for attempted assassination of President Gerald Ford. Oh, what? In Sacramento by Lynette, Lynette Squeaky From. Yeah. Pre- President Ford. <laughs> what? President Ford was almost assassinated by Charles Manson's I clan. I never 
knew that. No, I was kind of surprised. I was like, huh, that's something. Well, yeah. It's often thought that Manson never directly murdered or attempted to murder anyone himself. Uh, true crime writer James Buddy Day in his book, Hippie Cult Leader, The Last Words <laughs> of Charles Manson, claimed that Charles shot drug dealer ben- Bernard Crow on July 1st, 1969, and Crow survived. Okay, well, I mean, that's good. It, it, it is good. Um, Charles Manson was admitted to the state prison from Los Angeles County on April 22nd, 1971. For seven counts of first-degree murder and one count of conspiracy to ki- commit murder, the deaths of Abigail Ann Folger, Wojciech, I am sorry, Wojciech, Wojciech Fryowski, Stephen Parent, Jay Sebring, Sharon Tate Polanski, and Lino and Rosemary LaBianca. So, all of the victims. He didn't get charged for the, the um, two other victims. Yeah. Besides Ford. The death penalty was deemed unconstitutional in 1972. And Charles... I think that the death penalty was definitely constitutional and he should have gotten it. He should have. And Charles was resentenced to life with the possibility of parole. Why the possibility of parole? I don't know. Possibility of parole after all of this. That's shocking. What the fuck is up with the justice system? It's never. They should have looked at his fucking record in the first place, and then but like psychopath. Yeah, like I don't know how many times is he going to jail at this point. Twenty. Too many to count. So God, it's enough if you can't even count it. No. His initial death sentence was modified to life on February 2nd, 1977. So he did have. Did he get the parole removed? Uh, he did initially get the death sentence, but it was. Okay, okay, deemed okay, unconstitutional. I see, I see. Yeah. So, on December 13th, 1971, Charles was convicted of first-degree murder in Los Angeles County Court for the July 25th, 1969 death of musician Gary Hinman. Okay, so he did get convicted for the these. Of him, yes, but there was um he didn't get convicted for David, I don't think. Oh. And he was also convicted for first-degree murder for the death of Donald Jerome Shorty Shea. Shea whatever his name is. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Because of the case of California versus Anderson, which was a case that made the death penalty unconstitutional in 1972, California's death sentence were ruled officially unconstitutional oh. and that, quote, any prisoner under a death sentence may file a petition for writ of habeas corpus. Habeas corpus. Which means a recourse in law that a person can report unlawful detention of imprisonment to a court and request that the court order the custodian of the person, usually a prison official, to bring the prisoner to court to determine whether the detention is lawful. Oh. It's confusing. So it's just, like, to change the sentence, essentially. Mm-hmm. So because of this, the court was able to modify its judgment of the Manson case and to provide the appropriate alternative punishment of life imprisonment or life imprisonment without the possibility of parole specified by the statute for the crime for which he was sentenced to death. Okay. Manson was, because of this, allowed to apply for parole seven years after being incarcerated. His first parole hearing took place on November 16, 1978, at the California Medical Facility, but his petition was rejected. Yeah. And now his trial begins on July 15, 1970. Charles appeared in court wearing fringed buckskin, which was clothing made from buckskin. Oh. If that wasn't clear enough. Yeah, that's not... That's not something you wear to court. Not pretty. Don't wear that. No. Animal abuse. So, on July 24th, 1970, the first day of the testimony, Charles appeared in court with an X carved into his forehead. 
Yeah. The following day, <laughs> Charles' followers, Van Hooten, Atkins, Krenwinkel, also appeared in court with an X what? card into it. I never knew that. No, there's a lot of... I don't know. Damn! Members of the Manson family camped outside of the courthouse, holding a vi- holding a vigil on the street corner because they were taken out of the courtroom for being disruptive. They should have shut the fuck up. Because those families were probably in the courtroom. Heartbroken. need respect. Deserve respect. Well, they, he, I'm surprised the judge didn't hold them in contempt of court. They should have. They should have. So other members of the Manson family also carved X's into their forehead. One of the members wore saffron robes, which were robes in the shades of yellow and orange, to the trial, saying that if Charles was convicted, they would immolate themselves. Death by burning. What? A reference to monks and nuns in the Vietnam War who would set themselves on fire to protest the war. Yes. Um, yeah, that's... So they would they would do that to themselves if he was convicted. Um, way off topic, but there is a video of a monk, um setting himself on fire um, because um, he was protesting uh, something about freedom, I think. Um, Possibly. And uh, he was, it was one of the reasons why it happened. Okay. Uh, it went through. Huh. Um, but not a uh, an excuse? No. Not something you should threaten? No, especially if a convicted felon commits murder and you're if like you I'm gonna convict him i'm gonna kill myself literally God. so the state had presented dozens of witnesses but their main witness was list linda casabian who was present during the tape murders she had provided graphic testimony of the murders which she observed from the outside of the house she was also in the car with charles the following evening when according to her testimonies he ordered the killings of the labiancas she spent the next few days on the stand being cross-examined by the defendant's lawyer after testifying she went into hiding for the next 40 years yeah so she probably got the um she probably got a plea deal yeah or just a deal yeah she got a deal if she testified against him. Yeah. So. I mean, they wouldn't have had much evidence, though. I mean, yes, they would have. But No, like, but they wouldn't have very many details. Otherwise. Witnesses. Yeah, and you know, sometimes you gotta win some, to, uh, lose some to win some. Mm-hmm. Um, you gotta do what you gotta do sometimes, you know? Yeah, I think she might have been the best person to she not would. be convicted either, because she didn't actually, like... She didn't murder do anything. Any. She was um she was a lookout for the yeah, gate. So, I and mean, still like she's not innocent, but out of all of them that was there that night, mm-hmm. she probably was the best one to not have a sentence. Yeah. So in early August nineteen ninety, President Richard Nixon told the press and reporters that he believed that Charles Manson was responsible for the murders, quote, either directly or indirectly. He was directly responsible, yes. Yeah. Shortly after the female defendant, Atkins, Krenwinkel, and Van Hooten were removed from the courtroom for chanting, Nixon says we are guilty, so why go on? My god. They were just trying to attract attention to themselves. They really were. That's pathetic. It is. Uh, on October 5th, 1970, Charles attempted to attack the judge. It was her, uh, his name was Judge Older. Oh. 
um, when the jury was present in the room. Manson first threatened Older and then jumped over his lawyer's table with a, pen- a sharpened pencil oh, in, no. in the direction of Older. Charles was restrained before reaching the judge. While being let out of the courtroom, Charles screamed at Older, quote, in the name of Christian justice, someone should cut off your head, end quote. Oh, damn. No. Me- <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, the female defendants began chanting something in Latin. Judge Older began wearing a .38 caliber pistol to the trial afterwards. Don't blame him. No, me neither. On November 16th, 1970, the state of California arrested its cause after presenting 22 weeks worth of evidence. Uh, The defendants stunned the courtroom by announcing that they had no witnesses to present and rested their case. Hmm. So, immediately after the defendants' counsel rested their case, the three female defendants shouted that they wanted to testify. My God. Mm -hmm. Their attorney advised the court and that they opposed their clients to, to their clients testifying. The female defendants wanted to testify that Charles had nothing to do with God. the murders. The following day, Charles announced that he too wanted to testify. The judge allowed him to do so in the presence of a jury. This testimony is stated as follows, quote, These children that come at your with knives, I think it was you, they are your children. You taught them. I didn't teach them. I just tried to help them stand up. Most of the people at the ranch that you call family were just people that did not want you. I know this, that in your heart and your souls, you are as much responsible for the Vietnam War as I am for killing these people. I can't judge any of you. I have no malice against you and no ribbons for you. But I think that it is high time that you all start looking at yourselves and judging the lie that you live in. My father is the jailhouse. My father is your system. I am only what you made. I am only a reflection of you. You want to kill me? Ha, I'm already dead. Have been my whole life. I've spent 23 years in tombs that you have built. Mm. End quote. That was his testimony. (coughs) Basically saying that the system has made him the way he is. Being in prison so much. I don't think. I don't think so either. I don't, I don't have much to say on what, why he was made the way he was. Because, you know, we really don't know. We don't know. But. But. It was not the system. He was like that before. Yeah, I don't think it was the system. No, me neither. After Manson finished speaking, Judge Older offered to let him testify before the jury. Charles stated that it was not necessary. He then said that he didn't need the female defendants to testify. On November 30th, 1970, Leslie Van Houten's attorney failed to appear for the closing arguments of the trial. His name was Ronald Hughes. So, the attorney- Way to do your job. Oh, wait. (laughs) He was later found dead in a California state park. Oh! Yeah, well, yeah. I shouldn't have said anything right away. Oh! His body was oh. <laughs> badly decomposed, and it was impossible to tell the cause of death. Hughes had agreed that with Charles during the trial, taking the possibility that his client, Leslie Van Houten, should not testify to claim Charles had no involvement with the murders. Some people allege that Hughes was murdered by the Manson family. Yes, probably. Most likely. On January 25th, 1971, the jury found Manson, Krenwinkel, and Atkins guilty of first-degree murder in all seven of the Tate and LaBianca killings. The jury found Van Houten guilty of murder in the first degree for the killing of the LaBianca. So, after the convictions, the court held a separate hearing before the same judge to debate whether the defendants should receive the death sentence. Each of the three female defendants took the stand, Atkins, Van Houten, and Krenwinkel. They provided graphic details of the murder murders, which, first of all, if you're trying to testify that he's innocent, why would you give details of the murder? Why? Uh, maybe to say, uh, like, because they did it. Oh, yeah, and they tried to testify that Charles was not involved. 
According to them, they had committed the murders to help a fellow Manson family member, Bobby Bosolet, get out of jail, where he was being held for the murder of Gary Hinman. How would that have gotten him out of jail? I don't understand. They're all mentally ill. Yes, they are. They're probably on drugs at the time, too. Yeah. They also testified that the LaBianca murders were intended to be copycat crimes, similar to the Hinman killing. What? Copycat Um, crimes of their own crimes? uh Uh-huh. That that doesn't make sense. The three women claim that they did this under the direction of the state prime witness, Linda Casabian. The Uh defendant did not show remorse for the murders. The defendants did not show remorse for the murders. So on March 4th, 1971, during the sentencing, Charles shaved his head bald and told the media, quote, I am the devil, and the devil has always had a bald head, oh. end quote. Devil can't have hair? Can't no, have hair. I guess not. Huh. All right. Yeah. Um, the three females did not shave their heads to seem like they were completely in control of Charles, and as they had, as they had earlier carved X's into their forehead. Yeah. So they, they didn't want to shave their head. Don't blame them. On March 29, 1971, the jury sentenced all four defendants to death. After that, the females had all shaved their heads. Oh my god. Just as Charles had. And everyone had Wait, seen... why did they get the death sentence, but... All four of them. Charles, too. But I thought it was unconstitutional. They, I think they found it not unconstitutional. Oh, they afterwards. put the law black, that back into place. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think so. And everyone had seen what had happened when they were led into the courtroom. After the hearing sentence, Atkins shouted, quote, Better lock your doors and hide your kids. That's disgusting. The Manson murder trial was the longest in American history when it happened, spanning nine months and a half long. Nine. Nine and a half months long. <laughs> Sorry, I was going to make fun of you. <laughs> nine it's, months it's, and a half. It's, it's, it's late, and we're getting to the end it of it. It is late. We're tired. It's getting to the end of it, okay? This, this, this is it. So, on... January 1st, 2017, this happened not too recently, while Charles was being held at the Cochrane Prison, was rushed to the Mercy Hospital in downtown Bakersfield because he had gastrointestinal bleeding. Ha! He was then returned to the prison on January 6th, and the nature of his treatments is unknown. He died from cardiac arrest resulting from respiratory failure, brought on by colon cancer at the same hospital on November 19th, 2017. So about a year later. I hope it Not hurt. a full year later. I hope it hurt. Oh, I hope so too. He is a sick monster. But- I hope he got a bunch of colonoscopies and they all it. sucked. I know, right? <laughs> Just a tube shoved in his butt. I never knew a lot of those facts. Um, but yeah, that was Charles Manson. Yeah, that was crazy. And he only passed away in 2017. Yeah, honestly. I didn't think so. I I thought he was still alive, honestly. <laughs> I knew he passed away, but I didn't think it was that recent. Yeah, I know. He was born a long time ago, in the 30s, eh? 1934. Yeah, and he died in 2017. God. He was... How old was he? He lived a life. 83. Yeah. Oh, you're smart. <laughs> he was 83 years old when he passed away. Damn. He lived a full life. He really did. And so... He shouldn't have. He was really crazy. He looked really crazy. This... this is So I'm showing her photos now. Uh, Sharon Tate um, was beautiful. This is Sharon Tate. She was gorgeous. Oh and this was Charles. Why are his eyes so wide? 
He's got that crazy look like, on why him. Why does he always just have, like, the... I know. That was the other Charles. And that was him when he had his... Ex- We're going to post these photos. Um, That was him when he had his ex crossed on his forehead. And I forget. That's the other Charles. His son? No, his... One of his members of his family. Charles Miles Manson. That's him. Oh. Yeah. Never mind. Except he looks like he hasn't washed his hair in like three months. I don't think he has washed his hair. And here he looks different. This was in 85, his mugshot here. He just changed a lot. That's him. That's him. Yes. And this was in... Oh, damn. When? I don't know. I don't know how to read a fucking... No, me neither. Anyways, um, yeah, Yeah, Charles Manson's crazy. Um, he's a fucking wacko. I didn't know a lot of that, and I take it back. I probably, I I know, I probably would have gotten on his bus, but I probably would have regretted it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and if you did, uh, rate. And subscribe and leave us some feedback. We appreciate feedback. Um, you know, make sure to follow our Twitter. It's uh, at Murder Senses. Um, I think uh, I'm just going to keep talking until Maya brings it up. All right. It's at Murder Senses. Go follow our Instagram at Murder Senses. Um, our Twitter at Murder Senses Podcast. Um, or sorry, our TikTok. No, our TikTok at Murder Senses Podcast. Uh, subscribe to our Patreon. You know, buy us a coffee. Um, or support us in any way, and you'll get goodies, goodies, episodes, bloopers, all sorts of stuff. Um, videos of the cats, maybe. You know, my dog. I'm- <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, send us a Gmail. Um. Uh yeah, and don't get in don't get in Charles Manson's bus. Just be safe. Yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs>